Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Paul's admonition to us is that we are to be strong in the Lord. So our reliance is to be upon him and upon his strength, and we are to draw on his strength. Understanding in life, there are challenges in life. There are times that you may uh, feel weak. You may feel so challenged that you don't think that you're going to make it, but thank God you can be strong in the Lord. Uh, if he said be strong in the Lord, there would be probably opportunities to be weak, wouldn't it? But the Scripture says, uh, let the weak say, I am strong. So when you're at a point of weakness and you can trust in the Lord, uh, Paul said it this way, when I'm weak, then am I strong. In other words, he was relying upon Jesus and the strength of God on the inside because he said here, be strong in the Lord. Well, the Scripture says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, so Jesus lives on the inside of you. You're in him and he's in you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things are passed away. Here in this verse, again, he says, be strong in the Lord or in Christ. Christ lives in you. You're in Christ. One translation, actually many say, in union with Christ. You're spiritually joined to him. Jesus doesn't take vacations. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's always awake. If you need him at 3 o'clock in the morning, he's there. If you need him at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus is on the inside of you. Thank God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And always you can draw on his strength. You can rely upon him. Now we know that there's a few keys to drawing on his strength. Nehemiah says, uh, the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, if the joy of the Lord is our strength and uh, we have joy, then we can enjoy the strength of God as well because joy produces strength. How many have discovered that in your life? When you have joy, it energizes you. But if you're, you're uh, depressed or you're not very happy, and, and uh, then you get weak. But thank God, the strength of the Lord can come up on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit can strengthen your inner man. Ephesians 3, Paul prayed that we would be strengthened with mighty power by the Holy Spirit in our inner man. When your spirit is strong, your spirit will sustain Proverbs says your infirmity. In other words, your, your body can be strong or, or be strengthened because your spirit is strong. Again, Proverbs says it this way. He says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. So it doesn't matter what you say. What you say is going to produce joy or it per perhaps could produce uh, a disappointment or it could produce uh, a depression. But if you'll say the right things and the good time to start saying the word is the first thing when you get up in the morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, go ahead and say what God says about your life. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. One translation says the conquering power of his might. In all these things, Paul said in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors. 
He didn't deny that there were problems. He didn't deny that there was adversity. He didn't deny that there was the devil. He didn't deny that there were circumstances. No, he faced the adversity, but he faced it with, with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God. He faced it with faith. So he said here to us, he admonishes us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So to be strong, you must maintain joy. What does James say? Count it all what? Joy. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, understanding that the trying of your faith works patience. But praise God, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and what? Entire, wanting or lacking nothing. So God is encouraging you to be strong. Over in Joshua, it says, be strong in what? Of good courage. Maintain courage. Maintain strength in order to do what God has instructed you to do, to be what God wants you to be in life. You can be strong and you can win, but you have to choose to be strong. Just like you have to choose to say the right words. You have to choose to rejoice. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again, I say rejoice. So if you're always rejoicing, you've always got strength, so you're always drawing on the Lord. You're always drawing on His strength. Verse 12, or verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. So not only does he say, be strong in the Lord, he says, this is one of the ways you do it. Put on the whole armor of God. So you ought to clothe yourself every day with the armor of God. If you uh, are admonished to put it on, uh, then that would indicate that you would have an opportunity to leave it off. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So putting on the armor of God enables you to stand against. Now, Satan is against you. You have an adversary. As long as you're in this world, as long as you're here in this earth, there is an adversary. Satan is your adversary. He is your enemy. And so he says that we are to put on the armor of God so that we can withstand or stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles here in other translations, uh, Amplified Bible, says strategies and deceits. Now, Satan is referred to in Scripture as a liar. He's a liar and the father of it, Jesus said. So if and there's no truth in him, and so he cannot do anything but lie. I mean, he can speak the Scripture even and twist it and make it a lie. Or so his, his goal is to deceive or uh, to get you to believe something that is untrue, uh, cause you to see things a certain way or perceive them to be one way when re really they are another way. Uh, to think that your action or your conduct is going to produce one thing when really it's going to produce another thing. And so Satan is out to deceive, and he has strategies to do so. So he plans things against people's lives. He plans to ensnare you. 
Now, Jesus said one of the primary ways that people are snared is by the words of their mouth. And so it's important to keep the right vocabulary or to keep the right words in your mouth because Satan will put a thought in your mind and try to get you to say it out of your mouth so that he can put a hook in your life. But if you reject the thought by the words of faith in your mouth, then Satan cannot stay in your mind. If you won't agree with him, in other words, his thoughts or his, his attitudes cannot stay in your mind. So you have to choose to reject them. Stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Another translation, Knox translation, said the cunning of the devil. The New English says the devices of the devil. Devices. Remember the apostle Paul said we are not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. We're not ignorant. So Satan thrives on ignorance. That's why he likes to keep the church ignorant. He likes to keep people ignorant of the Bible. Without knowledge of Scripture, then you don't have the power to effectively resist him. He likes for people to uh, have some perception of God that is really not the way God thinks at all. And the only way we're going to know God is to know his word, have a knowledge of God or a knowledge of the truth. So when we know the word, then we're able to recognize his deceit, his lies, his devices, or his mode of operation, how he operates against us. I mean, in order to effectively fight an enemy, you need to know your opponent. If you know how he operates or know what he's up to, then you're able to recognize what he's doing, and if you recognize it, then you're able to win over it. So praise God, you got the Holy Spirit to tell you some stuff. You got some central intelligence on the inside. Amen. You got some Holy Ghost intelligence in your spirit, and we have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, if the devil is a strategist, and if he's trying to set up circumstances that would get you to fall for them or, or ensnare your life, then if you're able to recognize it, then you can walk around his snare. You don't have to fall into his snare, but he can fall into his own trap. Praise God. Sometimes he may use people, but remember, people are not your enemy. The devil is. So he says, stand against the wiles, the trickery. Actually, uh, New American Standard said schemes of the devil. He's a schemer. Living Bible says strategies and tricks. So Satan has a bag of tricks, and he's trying to trick you and trap you and snare you. So recognize his snares. Now the next verse says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That gives me some indication. One of the primary ways Satan tries to ensnare you. One of the primary ways the devil tries to ensnare people is to get them in a fight with flesh and blood. Draw them into a fight. Lure them into a fight. Lure them into uh, strife with other people. Division with other people. Lure them into fighting in the flesh. 
Because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? Mighty through God. That word carnal there is fleshly. They're not fleshly. Now, if our weapons are not fleshly, then you can't fight a spiritual war with fleshly weapons. Satan is a spirit. He operates in the spiritual realm. And so if you're going to win against him, you can't fight flesh and blood. You have to fight the devil and fight him with faith. Now, when we talk about the devil, we don't want to magnify the devil. We just want to be uh, 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 knowledgeable of how our opponent works. If you're going to fight in a boxing match, you're going to view uh, some tape on your opponent. You're going to discover how that person fights. You're going to watch him fight in order to know what he does, where his weaknesses are, where his strengths are, and you want to be prepared for the fight. So you got to train for the fight. Some people need a few dress rehearsals. you got to get in the ring and and fight a little bit and prepare and train, you got to get ready because when the fight is on, it's too late to wish. It's too late to wish you had have done something with the Word of God or listen, listen when Pastor David was teaching or paid attention uh, to the Word of God. You want to, you want to prepare for war because we're in a warfare. You're in a war zone. And living in the world, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So if you know that in the world, you're going to have some tests, you're going to have some trials, you're going to have some fights. And sometimes the devil, you know, he's, he's kind of a terrorist. You have to understand, he doesn't fight fair. I mean, he just soon to blow up one of his children at the same time when he's blowing you up. It's just the, the devil's mentality. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care who he destroys, how many he destroys. All he thinks is he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Destroy. So if Satan is a destroyer and he's a terrorist, you have to understand how to fight against him. And if he's planning to attack, you need to be ready. You need to be guarded. You need to be uh, prepared for the attack. And when he does, praise God, you're ready. And you need some central intelligence. Glory to God. In the center of your spirit to recognize when the devil is messing with your life or if he's setting up some strategies against your life. Now, in the Old Testament, the prophet of God would uh, tell the uh, uh, children of Israel what the enemy was up to. And finally, the king on the other side said, how is it that they know what we're doing and know our plans that we're making over here in our tent? How is it that they know? Well, they said, there's a prophet of God over there that's telling them what we're doing before we do it. And so he's letting them know in advance. Well, you know, God knows in advance what the devil is up to. And I believe the Holy Spirit can cause you to recognize in your spirit when things are working against you or the devil's trying to strategize. He may be using an individual to manipulate your life. He may be using someone to come along and, and tempt you along some sexual line. But praise God, Jesus Christ is Lord. And you've got to recognize his strategy and be smart as the book of Proverbs. It says, just go the other way. 
choose the other elevator or do something different, change your course, do something that makes you guarded or keeps you protected from the adversary and keeps you from falling into snares and traps of the devil. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You just need to learn how to use the remote. You do it very well. You change the channel all the time. You're an expert at changing channels. Well, when it comes on and it's not what you ought to be looking at, use your spiritual antenna as well as the antenna on your television. Be receptive to the Holy Spirit's instruction and your own spirit telling you what to do, when to do, and how to do, and what not to do. Praise God. And just change the channel. That's what your eyes are for, to recognize what you don't want to watch. Recognize what you do want to do. And so if you choose the right course of action, you're just not falling for his snares. Because one image in your soul can last a lifetime if not dealt with properly. One image in your mind can last you a lifetime, or you have to deal with it, and the grace of God certainly can uh, erase some thoughts in your mind, but thank God the grace of God is sufficient, but I wouldn't uh, just think I can just feed myself on anything and hope it it erase after the movie. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. So you have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Think about what your children are sitting in front of. You can't just let the television be the babysitter. Thank you for two right, that's right, and two amens, and, and a few old me's. Amen. You can't let the television be your babysitter. No, it'll sit with them, and it may sit with them for life. And then you wonder what happened. What happened? Well, they sat there, and they fed on that stuff, and they fed on it, and they fed on it. And then one day, oh, okay, they did it. But if you don't feed on it, then you can control your life. If you control your thinking, you can control your life. If you don't control your mind, you will not control your life. If you don't control what comes in, then you won't control easily what goes out. Hallelujah. Now, he said, we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. So you're not fighting with people. You're not fighting against other people around you. Make sure that you understand who you're fighting. Because if, if you don't understand who your enemy is, then you're over there punching on people. You're in strife with people. And the Scripture says where there's strife, there's confusion, and what? Every evil work. That's strife in your home. That's strife on your job. That's strife even in the church. That's strife in a department. That's strife between a brother and a sister or a sister and a sister. Or a brother and a brother, right? He said, where there's strife, there's confusion. So when you enter into confusion, you might need to back up and check out what you're doing, what your attitude is. See, most of the time, it's not that the devil just drops a big bomb on you. No, most of the time, he sets you up a little bit at the time. And that's the thing called deceit. You think it's okay. You have an attitude, you express an attitude, you say words, and you say them again, and then you have another attitude, and you express the attitude, and uh, after about, you know, two years of that, then you have a problem in your marriage because you never dealt with it. You continue to, to yield to the setup, and then the devil hits you. So the key is recognize the setup, and the setup may be that she said something you didn't appreciate. 
He said something you didn't like, set you off, made you mad. Certainly no one in here would ever get mad. Because we're all holy in here. Sure, sure you are. We know how holy you are. Yeah, you have to deal with anger just like anybody else. Just because you're saved, born again, you still have emotions, you still have uh, things that you have to deal with when people say words and say things or do things that you don't like, your emotions kick in, your mind kicks in, your reasoning kicks in. So you have to choose to defy that. Best thing for you to do is do what the Scripture says. Soft answer turns away wrath. How many have noticed if you ever had a disagreement with your wife or your husband or, or even a relationship uh, of a friend or whatever, that the more you run your mouth, the worse it gets? Man, turn the faucet off. <laughs> right? It doesn't get better in time. The only thing that's going to change your attitude is your ability to control your tongue because James says your tongue is like an it's like a world of iniquity, a fire. It sets on course uh, the nature. It just, uh, nature, it just uh, uh, releases things in this natural realm because you have power by what you say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So really what you say controls your destiny, controls your environment, controls your home life. Thank you for one mm -hmm. Thank you. Right? How many want to have a peaceful home? Sure you do. So you control your, your tongue. Don't fall for the snare. And you know, if you don't fall for it, she or he will recognize that they just fell for it. But if you fall for it, then they'll blame you. Uh, nobody out there like that, right? But if you get involved in it, then they'll say, it's your fault. And then you say, no, it's your fault. And nobody takes responsibility. And the only way it's going to change is you say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You don't settle an argument by telling somebody else how wrong they are. I know I'm preaching real good and it's real quiet in this <laughs> holy church. Amen. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The devil is your adversary. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and say, devil, shut up. Not talking to your wife, not talking to your husband, talking to the devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus from my life, my family. Take authority in your home. Sometimes you'd, it's not always the right thing to respond on your job. You don't have to react to everybody's opinion. You don't have to react to everybody's attitude. If they have an attitude, best thing you to do is just walk in love. Walk in love in your home. Walk in love on your job. Because many times we, we, we think that the devil just operates. He's just going to drop a, a bomb or he's going to shoot a missile into the camp. No, he sets you up and gets you out of love, gets in the flesh, gets you fighting in the flesh, and then he drops the bomb. Then he hits you with a missile. So if you understand how the devil operates, he's just, he's just setting you up for the kill. And so you just don't fall for his traps. If somebody gets an attitude on the job, you just let them fight it out. Let them fight among themselves, but don't, don't be the, uh, a, a culprit. Don't be a part of it. Don't, don't join in to the fight. 
Don't join into the attitude. You know, they may lose their job over it. And you're there and set up for a promotion because you walked in love. It's the truth, absolutely. So he said, our fight is with who? Principalities and powers. Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, if our fight is against principalities and powers, we need to, dis to discover somewhat who these principalities and powers are. Now, we know from Colossians 2.15 that Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers. He disarmed them or he defeated them. So as far as you're concerned, Satan or the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness of this world have already been defeated. Now, if I was going to fight in a fight, I'd like to fight somebody that was already defeated, not undefeated. Right? If I was a professional boxer, I might want to fight the guy that's undefeated so I could get uh, a promotion. But I'm not a professional boxer, so I'm not going to get in the ring with the undefeated. If you started the fight on the street, we might see what we can do. But, you know, it's a little different. If you start it, we'd do our best to finish it. Right? With God's help and the angels of the Lord. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus and the power of God. And really, the devil is kind of a street fighter. He doesn't play fair. You know, street fighters, you know, I, I was raised around people kind of street fighters. You know, back in those days, it was chains and belts and tire tools and bats and, you know, they were just nuts, just out of their brain, had no control. And so that's the kind of people that they were, and they, they lived in that, uh, for that adrenaline, for that adrenaline. Now they have guns and, you know, they, all, you know, so one fight, it's a, it's a short one. You're dead, you're out. You know, when we played uh, as kids, you know, it was, you know, you, no, you're dead, I hit you. No, you didn't, you didn't hit me. Now, now the kids, you know for sure, you hit them. Because it's real guns, it's not the play stuff, it's real. I mean, remember when you were kids, you say, I, I got you, no, you didn't, no, you didn't, you didn't. Well, how in the world would you know? Neither one of you know for sure. But nowadays, it's the real deal, isn't it? Kids with guns. But our fight is not in the flesh. You know how you're going to heal that in our, in our city, in our nation? You're going to get spiritual truth to those children, to those youth. Get the truth of the Word of God into their hearts. And if they see who Jesus is and fall in love with Jesus, they won't be bitter and angry and mad and, and want to kill somebody. They'll want to love somebody. Amen? They'll want to help somebody and make a difference in somebody's life for good. Amen. So our fight is not with flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers that have been defeated. Ephesians 1, we're in the same book. Ephesians 1 says in chapter 1 that Jesus was raised up far above all principality and power. Ag above principality and power. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says that we've been raised and seated together with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. So Jesus is raised far above them. Why? Because he stripped them, he defeated them. Then he raised you up with him and seated you together with him above principalities and powers. And you are in him. Now he says, be strong in him. 
So your strength and your reliance is upon Jesus and who Jesus is in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. So when you're fighting your fight in this world, it's a fight of faith, and it's based upon the victory that's already won. And if you're always trying to fight to get the victory, you're looking from the wrong perspective. If you would see yourself in Christ, see yourself as victorious in him, see yourself as raised and seated together with him and rule from that point of view rather than looking up, look down on the devil and say, no, 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 I have authority over you in the name of Jesus. And if your attitude gets wrong, just straighten it out, walk in love, praise God, take dominion. The problem of, with our society is this, we're out of control. We're out of control. And so in order to change your life, you have to get in control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Temperance simply means self-control. You have the ability to control your mind, control your flesh, control your attitude, control your future, control your destiny. Praise God. God directs you, but you have to choose to obey Him in order to fulfill the will of God in your life. Isn't that correct? So you choose the Word. You choose life. You choose uh, to obey the Word of God with your life. So we're fighting against a losing opponent. Hallelujah. So why is it that we just let the devil run over our lives, let him run over our homes, run over our families, run over us at work, run over us in the church, run us out of the church? We let things in the flesh control our lives. Well, we don't have to. How many can say, thank God we don't have to? Now then, let's look a little further. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. He said, take the whole armor of God. Not just some of the armor, but the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, the evil day comes to every life. I mean, Satan will bring the evil. It's what you do with it when it comes. What does is, what is Jesus say? Pray this way. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Meaning that there is evil, but God will deliver us from it. Deliver us from the evil of this present world. And so God will deliver us, but we have to choose our deliverance. We have to receive our deliverance in order to enjoy our deliverance in Christ. So one of the ways is we take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. One of the keys to your success in Christ is that we stand. You just build some endurance into your life. The Word of God will build some endurance. It's a sad day that so many people, you know, they get married and, and, and six months later or a year later or two years later, they want to quit. Man, you hardly got started in, a, in six months. You've hardly gotten started in a year. You've hardly gotten started in two years. You're just getting started. And some would say, well, my God, if it's that way, I, I don't want to finish what I've started. But I can tell you, that's the problem. If you enter into it with an opt-out if you enter into it with already figuring out how you can get out if it doesn't work, then you have little confidence to enter into a contract. So you have to enter in with faith, and you have to live by faith, and you have to walk by faith. Don't be a quitter. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, quitters never win. 
But winners never quit. Now you say, Pastor, what about my life? I've already quit. Well, I can't help that. But I can help your future. I can't change your past, nor can you. I can't help what you've done in the past, but I can help you live from here. I can help you live today and tomorrow and next year, and I can help you succeed in your next marriage or in the marriage that you're in right now or in your life, in your relationships, in your job. You know, some people, they can't keep a job. Now, I'm not criticizing you. If this is your case, learn to stay with something. You're never going to make it very well, quitting every six months. You don't have a chance of promotion. You can't go up in life quitting everything you start. Just smile at me, and I won't know it's you, no one. You know, I preach better when you smile. Go ahead and smile. It's all right. It won't break your face. It'll feel good. Stay with something. Having done all to stand, stand. If you believe in God for something, stay with it. Stand. If you're standing against the devil, stand. Because he's telling you it's not going to work, but you got to stand up and say, oh, it'll work. Praise God. I already know it'll work because he said if I stand, having done all to stand, I've done everything I know to do. I've walked in love. I've forgiven. I am walking in the grace of God. I'm obeying the word that I know to do. See, you can't do what you don't know. But you can do what you do know. And if you've done everything you know to do based on the Word of God, be filled with the knowledge of God. Do what the Word of God says. And if you'll do it, if you'll stand, you will stand and you will win. Praise God. When everything around you has shaken, everything around you has broken, everything around you seemingly has crumbled, you'll still be standing that you may be able, put on the arm of God, that you're able to stand. And stand, therefore, then he tells you, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth. Truth is vital. How important is truth to you? Is the Word of God first place in your life? Is truth so vital that you'll do what Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not? In other words, you won't sell out. You won't give up. You won't quit because you know the truth will stand. Jesus said the Word of God will stand. He said that heaven and earth would pass away, but not one word from God would pass away. Listen, if the Word of God is not going to pass away, then that means your test will. I mean, your trials have come to pass. They're not come, they've not come to stay. The Word of God is here to stay. And if you build your life on the Word, it'll stay, and it'll steady your life and enable you to stand. And when the test is gone, you'll still be standing, and what you've got now is a testimony. So your testimony is based on the Word of God. You stood on the Word, and God proved Himself faithful. And then the next time the same test or something similar comes along, you've got not only the Word, now you've got another testimony to add to what you believe, praise God. And that gives you greater hope and confidence. If God did it once, He can sure do it twice. And if He did it twice, now I've got two good testimonies. He can do it at least three times. And then sometimes the devil will hit you with one thing, and at the same time, in about uh, a few minutes later or six, uh, uh, six hours later, he hits you with another thing. 
You say, what's going on? And then he hits you with another thing. You know God can chew gum and walk at the same time. God can hit three of them at the same time. God can knock out the devil's works at the same time. Hallelujah. You just got some Holy Ghost scud missiles. Put out the devil's works. Amen. If the devil is shooting at your life, you're able to sense what he's doing and shut him down. Hallelujah. Before it really hits. Hallelujah. In the book of Revelations, it talks about those beings around the throne of God, that they got eyes all around their head. Now, it may not look good, but it's good for the sunglasses salesman. And it, it's good for the economy. But, you know, spiritually, you can have eyes all around your head. Some of you parents, your children believe that. Because... You weren't looking at them, but you knew exactly what they were up to. You know what? You need to be as smart and as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. Be, walk in the wisdom of God. Recognize what the devil is up to and put him down. Shut him down. Go ahead and shut the devil out. Don't give him two hours. Don't give him six days. Go ahead and shut him down. Give no place to the devil in your life. Put on the whole armor of God. Gird about your loins with truth. Everybody say truth. truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? Make you free. He said if you continue in my word, so the word is truth. Uh, John chapter 17, Jesus said thy word is truth. So we're talking about the word of God. Now, Amplified Bible says tighten the belt of truth. Sometimes you just got to tighten your belt. Some Christians are like they just ate a good uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and they're laying on the couch. Loosen up their belt. They ate a little much. But some Christians just kind of live that way. They've loosened their belt of truth. Just suck it up. Tighten it up. Be like the horse if you want to put a saddle on. Give him a little bit of kick. Suck it up a little bit. Tighten it up and say, hey, this is the way it is. Just get used to it. Hallelujah. I tell you, if you'll suck it up a little bit and you'll say, oh, I'm standing. I'm, I'm tightening the belt of truth. The devil's not going to win in this situation. When it's all said and done, I'll still be standing. Now, we understand. Some people, you know, when you talk like that, they mistake you saying, man, you're pretty cocky. No, I'm full of faith. It's a difference. There's a difference in being cocky and full of faith, believing and confident. Praise the Lord. Jesus wants you to be confident. God wants you to be full of faith. He wants you to have a boldness and a spirit of tenacity and sticking with it and staying with it against the devil, just standing secure in your faith in God that God is the winner and you're on his side. So that makes you a winner. Can you say amen? amen. Next verse. Then he says, have, or the latter part of the verse, having on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, you see policemen, you know, they've got this big chest, and it kind of looks like they've been really working out, and maybe they have, but they've got a little bit more than that. They've got a shield. There's a, something there, a breastplate that is to protect their vital organs. And spiritually, you know, we don't want our policemen going out and fighting without their breastplate. We want them to be prepared. I mean, if they showed up to 
to serve our community and they didn't have their gun, we trust they'd tell them, go home, get your gun, right? Be prepared. I don't want a police force with no guns. It'd be a wonderful life. Face reality. We don't live in heaven. Amen? Now, so I want a police force that's prepared, don't you? Well, Christians need to be prepared. Don't wait for the fight to get your breastplate on. Could you imagine our policeman? Could you hold that? Just hold the fire just for a minute. No, no, he's got to be prepared. He goes to work prepared. And you got you to face life when you get up in the morning, put your clothes on. Don't go out being a spirit, spiritual streaker. Get the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look out, Ethel. There she goes. You know. No, you better just get your, get your spiritual clothes on. You know, people just, they, they put all the natural things on. Man, they spend all this time, no offense, praise the Lord, but you spend all of this time getting ready to present yourself to the world, but you got to spend some spiritual time to present yourself. So when the battle is on, you're ready to fight, and it doesn't take you long to win. Amen. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The Scripture says that we have been made... A, the righteousness of God in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. Your righteousness is of God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness, what, is of me. You've got your breastplate of righteousness on, so you don't have to fight all these people that have an attitude and are saying things wrong. Well, it'll all work out. Watch it. Hallelujah. You just walk in love, stay full of faith, and watch God. Hallelujah. He'll take care of you. Somebody say, God will take care of you. Verse 15, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Every day, put on your sh I mean, can you imagine a, a motorcycle policeman riding down the road with a little pair of flip-flops? No, he's got boots on to protect his feet. One little slip, you're chasing somebody, and you got flip-flops on? You're going to be doing some flip-flops. Wishing you had your boots. You don't ride a motorcycle with flip-flops. Amen? You don't ride a horse with barefoot. No, because you might have your foot through the stirrups wishing you to put your boots on this morning. Get ready for life. Be prepared for life. Hallelujah to Jesus. Put your shoes on, your gospel shoes. I mean, I, I remember the story of a, a lady. Actually, she got saved here in Las Vegas. She became a tremendous evangelist. But she said, every time I would get, uh, you know, a little depressed and despondent, I would just go out and preach the gospel to somebody and get somebody saved. And she said, every time the joy of the Lord would come on me, I'd start rejoicing because I just got somebody saved. You know, many times our problems is that we have, uh, we're so self-centered. Nobody here, but, you know, some, some people. <laughs> We're thinking about ourselves so much that we become so introverted. We, we're just thinking about our problem, my problem. 
it, it, and the more you look at your problem, the bigger your problem gets. And then you keep looking at your problem, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you look at your husband and say, you just got a problem. <laughs> and you know what? When you look at your husband and say, you got a problem, you got a problem. Right? But the problem became so big that you thought it was impossible to overcome it. But if you'll start saying, I'm going to just go share the gospel with somebody. I'm just going to love somebody. Just love them to Jesus and tell them how good God is. You know what? You're putting on your gospel of peace. Rather than living in uh, uh, confusion and strife and division, praise God, you choose peace. You're walking in the peace of God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guards your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. Listen, if it'll produce peace in your life where you came from, it'll produce peace in your home. It'll produce peace in your job. It'll produce peace in all relationships if we choose to let it produce peace. Fight the enemy. The devil, not people. Verse 16, above all. So this must be important. Taking the shield of faith. Your faith is a shield. And so always exercise your faith. Faith is believing in your heart, saying with your mouth, and acting like you believe God. Believing it in your heart, saying it with your mouth, and acting like you believe God. So put up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all, how many? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. So if Satan is shooting at you, be ready to put up your shield. Be prepared, the whole armor of God. The shield of faith, don't be silent. You'll lose by just being quiet sometimes. Sometimes you just got to speak up to the devil, you understand? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. And what? Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Keep your mind covered. Keep your head. Your, you know, if you're going to ride a motorcycle, I know some people, they, they love no helmet laws. But if you see an accident, then you kind of like helmets. I'm not picking a bone. I'm just, it's an opinion. Now, I used to ride a motorcycle, and I liked riding with no helmet. It feels good. Helmets are constrictive. Just feels a lot different, especially if it's hot. You pull your helmet off, and it's just like, thank you. But to ride with no helmet just feels great. And motorcyclists love it, you know. But if you see a tremendous accident, ugh. A helmet would have been a good help. So you got to keep your helmet on. Protect your mind. Protect what comes in. And something slips in, get it out. Go ahead and protect your thought life. Control your thought life. Because if you control your thoughts, you can control your life. The helmet of salvation. It says in, in James, it says, receive with meekness. The engrafted word which is able or has the power to save your soul. It saves your soul, preserves your soul, delivers your soul, keeps your mind. Praise God forever. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Now, every other piece of the armor is to defend you or to keep you or to preserve you. But there's one piece of armor that is for you to go after the enemy. Isn't that right? Go after the enemy with your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word here is rhema, which simply means, and one word in the Scripture for Word of God or the Word is logos, the written Word. The Word here is rhema, the spoken Word. So it's not enough to get the written Word. You need to speak the Word. And when you speak the Word, it's like Hebrew says, a double-edged sword. And it has the power to penetrate darkness. It has the power to penetrate your heart, but it has the power to penetrate darkness and stop the works of the devil against your life. Praise God. So get the sword of the Spirit. Get, you know, just get proficient like Zorro. And just, some of you, hallelujah, get your sword out and be ready for the fight. Always be ready. If you've always got it with you, you got the word in your heart. When the fight is on, you're ready to fight and you're ready to win. Praise God. Fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, you can call on Jesus. You can call on Him for your salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you have to work for or you have to earn by your own merits. It's something that you receive by simple faith in the fact that Jesus died for your sin and that God raised Him again from the dead. Just pray this simple prayer right now and call on the name of Jesus. Say, Dear God, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he died for my sin, and that you raised him again from the dead. I confess you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today, you are saved. You're a child of God. God is your Father, and he has a great plan for your future. Give us a call today at the number on your screen. We want to send you a book free of charge with no obligation on your part. It's our desire to be a help to you in your spiritual life. And we believe the best years of your life are ahead. Do your prayers go unanswered? Do you feel disconnected from God? Pastor David Sheeran's Steps to Answered Prayer can help you better understand how to pray more effectively. This 4-DVD or CD set will help you reconnect with God through prayer and provide the steps to get your prayers answered. Buy now Steps to Answered Prayer. For a gift of $24 for the CD set or $32 for the DVD set, you can order this product by calling 866-700-WORD or contacting us online at wordoflifelasvegas.com. Order now and see your prayer.